Welcome to I'd Rather Stay In, the podcast that also will not teach you how to curtsy. <laughs> I'm Steffi. I'm Megan. Uh, how's it going? Uh, Steffi, it is a full moon. Oh my god, Megan. It is a full moon. Like It's the fullest I, full moon ever. It's the fullest full moon. You and I yesterday were standing in your kitchen like, what is wrong with the universe? Like, t- there's something off about today. And you were like, I don't know if it's like a full moon or something. And then you texted me last night and you were like, it is indeed a full moon. And is, yep. I just... And I feel like today is even more full moony than yesterday was. Well, technically the full moon is today. So yesterday oh, okay. was almost the full moon. But yes. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. I felt it all day. Like, it, every, every person I see is just like, what is happening in the world? <laughs> we're doing. It's great. Yeah. So if you couldn't tell, it means that we're on a struggle bus. <laughs> I feel like as a person who... It, it has an affinity for like the witchy side of things. I mm-hmm. feel personally offended that the moon is doing us wrong. Like, yeah, shouldn't we naturally be in tune with the moon? You would think it would do the good, do good things for us. <laughs> yeah. I, well, and like, I think I might have said this on the podcast before. I'm pretty sure I've told you this before. I thought the full moon stuff was a load of bullshit until I became a parent, and then. I was like, oh, shit, no, this is real. I think it's because as an adult, usually, like, you're aware of, like, your own self. And, like, obviously you have experienced many full moons. Yes. But now that you're, like, responsible for another being that, like. Who cannot regulate themselves. Cannot regulate themselves normally. And then you, like, throw the tide moving as. (laughs) I don't know. it's, It's a lot. It's a whole, it's a whole ass mess. Uh, y'all just are gonna have to pardon my German Shepherd who will not settle down right now. Um, he is also a whole around. ass mess. He is a whole ass mess. He's like trying to lay down. Here he goes. Um, hopefully he doesn't <laughs> unplug me like he did a few weeks ago when we were recording. It's fine. Um, yeah. So anyway, full moon. We're struggling, but uh, Megan, I'm excited that. We're going to be discussing our book today. Me too. And uh, we have a special guest, our friend Ade, which is always a very fun day when we have Ade on the podcast. Yes, I have been looking forward to recording with you, Ade. Hi, welcome back. Um, you are like the obvious choice to talk about this book with because you have already talked with us about the royals, and we all know it's one of your favorite topics, and we all know and love you. So, you know, hi, hey, welcome. How's it going? You know, obvious choice, right choice. I, I, I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> It's good to be back. Uh, I I love this pod, and sometimes um probably I think the last two times I've I've been on, I listen and I hear your voices. And I'm like, wow, they sound just like when I listened to them on the podcast. <laughs> I had that mo- I had a moment like that when lis- I was listening to you introduce me. So uh, it's good to be back as a as a friend and a fan of the pod. Uh, so we are discussing, guys hadn't picked up on it we're discussing spare by prince harry um when it came out i said okay guys this should be our next book club read and you both were like yes obviously um so we 
Actually, the three of us read it in slightly different ways. Megan borrowed it from the library, but read the physical copy. I purchased the physical copy and read it. And then, Ade, you listened to the audiobook. I listened to the audiobook and I purchased a physical copy because it was really cheap at Target. <laughs> I was like, might yes. as well. <laughs> it's um, a good one to have. It's a good one to have. His face is very handsome on it. So it's, you know, a good th- it's a good book to like have look at you i guess yes and i heard um, there were a couple pictures inside and you know did i need to buy the book to see the pictures probably not but i'm i'm not sad that i did yeah well just you know starting off at the very beginning of the picture of him and his mama like i was mm-hmm. like oh my god this is gonna mm-hmm. start off with sobbing it's fine everything is fine um so let's just Share our general, just our general thoughts and feelings about the book before we like dive in. What did you guys think of it? Um, go go ahead, Megan. I'd love to hear. What uh, you think. I mean, I so I read the book in like three days, two days, three days. I read it very quickly. Um, the chapters are very very short, so if you're reading the physical copy, I feel like it went really fast. And then also you have no excuse to be like, oh, just give me the next quote chapter. <laughs> and then the next one, and then the next one, and then the next one. So I I got through it very quickly. Um, as someone who's a little bit older than you guys, so I have more memories of, like, Diana and then him as a youngster, I would say. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's pretty close to my age. Um, yeah. I, I thought it was really interesting. I really, I like that it wasn't, like, you know, I think a lot of people were expecting it to be the dirt on mm-hmm. the family and things like that. But I really liked actually learning about his life and his experiences mm-hmm. that you don't see covered in the media. And um, the way he, uh, you know, felt about his service. And I, mean, I feel like we didn't really even learn that much about his service at all, partially because we're Americans. <laughs> um, but also, like... They just didn't talk about it that much, aside from, like, he's the bad kid, and mm-hmm. we don't really care, except he's being bad, and he should be better. Diana would expect better. Uh, um, so I really like that. And also, I cried a lot reading this book. Mm, I cried yeah. more. I, I knew I was going to cry somewhat, but I cried a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah. Ade, what did you think? Yeah, so I, I, I don't fully recall what I was expecting coming into this, like, spare experience. Um, but I I don't think I expected it to be salacious, um, even though that's what I think a lot of corners of the internet maybe wanted or, or seemed uh-huh. to want, um, at least in, mm-hmm. in the aftermath of the book. They were like, some people, a lot of people were like, it's boring. And I was like, I did not find it boring. I found maybe bits mm-hmm. of it boring, but overall I found the book to be really sad, really moving. Um, really upsetting. Um, mm. it, I don't know if um, everybody, I assume everyone who read the book also watched their documentary. Um, but similar, I felt really similar to the experience of watching, watching the documentary, excuse me, watching the documentary where there was like a lot of joy in there. There's a lot of happy things mm-hmm. that happen. But when I mm-hmm. look back on my experience reading, I just feel sad. I feel sad for him. Happy that he, he's where he is now and, and that he is with his wife and his children and that he's making a path for himself. But overwhelmingly, like this, this feeling of, um, yes, he's very privileged, 
and that comes across in the book like there are, there are different ways that like his life is so not like ours and like the average person's but mostly i just feel like he he was super abused by his family and mm-hmm. by the by the press mm-hmm. and that's it, it was really hard to read and it's hard to listen to him now um some in some ways like because this is all new for us and we haven't gone on the healing journey with him um it's hard to listen to him be like relatively forgiving and kind and and like very kind towards them in the way that he talks about them. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and just like, he's so giving in in his like uh, uh, portrayals of them in, in many places where I'm like, what, like this is what you're describing is crazy. Um, So I think that was like a, I just felt a lot of like tension and sadness reading the book um, that I, I don't, and I don't know what I expected, Mm -hmm. but, but that was the feeling that I had overwhelmingly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'd agree. Cause I think, because I obviously like I had watched the Oprah interview and then the documentary before reading the book. And so like I I would agree that while I think that a lot of there was a lot of coverage that like again wanted it to be uh salacious and the dirt and the get the tea on everything, like I didn't expect that going in just because I had watched those two pieces of media mm. and had already seen how um he has approached speaking about his family in the, to the public um, and how he's approached like telling his story to the public, how he and Megan have both handled that. Um, and so I certainly, I certainly was not surprised by the ways in which he very much, I feel, I felt like he very much very honestly shared his experiences um, without, um, necessarily like getting um like gossipy about it Mm -hmm. he just was very honest and straightforward of like this is what i experienced this this Mm -hmm. was my experience growing up like he doesn't he doesn't speak for will he doesn't speak for megan he doesn't speak he doesn't really speak for anybody else um he really speaks as to like what his experiences were and i think i think a lot of the ways in which this is written is like <clears throat> speaks heavily to his the therapy that he's mm, gone through you know like i think that only someone who's gone through as much therapy as he clearly has could write a book that's like this um honest but also like level-headed in a way about his experiences do you know yeah. what i mean yeah um yeah I also have to admit that, so the first, so the book's divided up into like three parts, right? The first part and the third part flew through those two. And the second part, I'm not going to lie to you, I skimmed some of the military stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts uh, just, on the military stuff, yeah. That's just my own honest experience that like I got a little bit bored with some of the military parts and I started to skim a little bit and then I was like... Because I was mostly interested in the, like, interpersonal interactions and the interpersonal experiences. Um, And so when it got, like, really bogged down and some of the, like, and then I learned to fly this kind of thing and I did the buttons and the blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't, I, I, this is starting to feel like Tolkien to me talking about the trees in the forest and I can't uh, handle that, as everyone knows. So um, I will admit that I skimmed some of the parts in the middle section, but the, the first part and the last part in particular. And I, I felt like, I also felt like those were the parts um, 
like this is also probably attested to my own life experiences, but those were the parts where I felt like he talked the most about his mom. Um, and those were the parts that really um, were both heart-wrenching and also a little bit healing for me to read as someone who has lost my mom, obviously in a very different way um, and at a different age than he did. But yeah, um, and the, the stuff about his mom also definitely made me cry. I was like Megan in that, like... Just all the Diana stuff. And the fact that he, like, refers to her as mummy the whole time. Like, I mean, just, just, just took me out right there from the get-go. <laughs> I mean, to, to that last point um, about how he refers to people, to, to you said at the very top of this, like, this is a very um, personal uh, point of view that he's using to, mm -hmm. to tell the story. And the way that he refers to people throughout the book mm -hmm. is fully um, in line with that approach that he and his ghostwriter took. Um, mm -hmm. He, he refers to everybody in the, in the story uh, from in like these very in personal um, kind of terms of endearment or, or nicknames mm -hmm. um, except for in very key scenes where he, he refers to them as like the queen or, or um, the, the Prince of Wales or, you know, like th there are moments mm -hmm. where he, I, he and his ghostwriter, I, I can only assume it very intentionally put that distance between him and people, which I found to be really interesting um, because he did call, uh, you know, his dad, Pa, most of the book. And he called, mm -hmm. um, you know, Will Willie, which like, what a nickname. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, all the various people um, he, he called. I mean, I think the first time that we hear him talk about Camilla and I, I say this, I think I think I know this because uh, Elizabeth Holmes, who I'll probably refer to several times during this conversation of um, so many thoughts and Wall Street Journal fame, not of Theranos fame. Um, she's a royal kind of watcher. And she was the first person I heard kind of note like, the first time we talk about Camilla or he talks about Camilla, he's like, yeah, the other woman. Like, and he calls her that several mm -hmm. times before he ever says mm -hmm. her name, which sets the tone mm -hmm. for, for that relationship. So yeah, I, I thought that was really an interesting and very intentional choice. And I, I did not think after the prologue, it would continue through the whole book and it, and it does. And it's, um, mm -hmm. I, I even, you know, putting the book away for a day and coming back to it, I would remain shocked. He'd be like, yeah, Willie said this. And I was like, what? Like, are we talking mm -hmm. about William? Um, so, yeah, that was, I thought was a really interesting intentional choice that they made. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it makes it, it definitely personalizes it a lot more. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying, Stephanie, about how he's he's sharing what his personal viewpoint is, but he's not sharing necessarily the other people's. And I think that's, like you were saying, with he's been to therapy, he's sharing his story he's very careful to not share what could be perceived as any of their story and i'm sure being in that royal family like that's part of it too where like you're not supposed to necessarily say what other people might possibly be thinking because there's a party line and so he knows that he's the only one that can really say his story i think he well, does i, I want to say that i do think he does it with william quite a bit I, I do think he he, a little bit with he, he does a, a little, little bit of that bit, like but... like uh, y yeah it's like uh, about brother sibling rivalry and like I think some of that's like his his own thing be like yeah William just didn't want me to succeed and I'm like wait what I mean like I agree because I'm no William fan but um, <laughs> you know very much not in line with like how he writes about him most of the time so when it when it comes yeah. out it's like very shocking and and uh, and very much feels like a younger brother you know like a, yeah. like a normal Although younger brother. 
Although I would also argue a little bit that that is because uh, I know what I know where you're talking like the kind of parts that you're talking about where like uh, like the parts where Will would um, uh, like for example uh, leading up to the wedding and Will was like really being an asshat about the fact that Harry got to keep his beard and like and, and the way that Harry kind of talks about this talks about it is just like I kind of re- like oh I kind of realized like he was just really like been out of shape that like I got to do this thing that he didn't get to do and so he didn't want me to get to do it and so like I I wonder I wonder in those instances if it's less like speaking for Will and more of like the thought process almost like more like the thought process that Harry had to go through to understand why Will acted like an ass in the way that he did. I don't know. It's- I think there are moments like that. Um, and that one in particular, I think um, he does, uh, he goes, a gr- he does a great deal to help us understand like the constraints that William and, and other places, Kate um, are mm-hmm. under. I, I do think, especially with the stuff around their childhood, um, their experiences in school together were again, throughout their whole lives. Um, uh, you know, William, he and William, for the large part, uh, were not as close as I think many people believed them to be based on mm-hmm. media reports. Um, mm-hmm. And so that juxtaposed with like him talking about like all of these uh, notions of sibling rivalry and why William would do certain things. I think that I, I hold the beard thing a little bit separate from that um, because that was really one of the moments like with Kate in the tennis racket or with the the court circular at the end of the every year that comes out where he's like, mm-hmm. here are the constraints that are on them that people don't understand or don't might not know um, mm-hmm. that caused them to act a certain way or do certain things. But there were other moments where he was much more like, yeah, and like Will felt maybe like lots of like anger about how I was the stronger one or whatever. I'm like, okay, like, okay, like maybe. But um, again, two things. One, I would say to, to Harry as like a casual observer slash close, close friend. Um, uh, <laughs> at the sa- both at the same time. A casual observer and close friend, I would say like, yeah, maybe that, that's a really fair assumption. But two, like if, if I've learned anything, it, it, like you juxtapose that with the fact that like they're not as close as like he doesn't. Harry didn't like to talk about his feelings with, with Will and Will didn't yeah. like to spend that much time with Harry. So like, I bet they've never talked about what like their sibling rivalry issues. I mean, like just the fact that they he like basically starts the book talking about how they didn't get hugged as children mm-hmm. like that I admit I come from a very huggy family and I'm a very huggy person much to Megan's chagrin but <laughs> I like so like that is definitely colors my own you know reading here but that like just knocked me off my feet that like even like when Charles is telling Harry that Diana has died like he like doesn't hug him yeah like he doesn't I... he doesn't physically like really like physically comfort his child in like the worst mo- possible moment of his life like when you like when you just like lay down that groundwork like how could they possibly talk about their emotions with each yeah. other when you don't even know how to hug each other I that's think the thing that i don't i don't wild I don't really understand in terms, I understand, you know, that the people always say that 
especially you know on royal tiktok is that they don't show emotion because it's protocol which is a lie they could they could do what they want because they make the rules um (laughs) literally the monarchs (laughs) i understand why they would not necessarily show emotion in public but for those private moments where he was like yeah my my dad didn't hug me and i couldn't hug my grandmother and like like all of these moments i'm like diana was the only person that like showed these kids affection in the way that kids need it yeah i yeah so i listened in on a conversation um that was a like a paid ticketed conversation between prince harry and um dr gabor i think mate is how you say his last name who's mm-hmm. I think some kind of like world famous physician who writes a lot about like trauma and its effects on your body and your mental health and its effects on your body and things like that. And so Harry had an open conversation, I think because they share the same publishers actually what's going on. Um, and he has a new book coming out and Harry has spare. And so they sat down for a conversation about Harry's book and trauma and um, kind of the intersection of their two books. And one of the things that the guy Dr. Mate, the guy, um, said that I thought <laughs> was really interesting. Um, and I think I think this is like this goes to this tension and this like yes and land that Harry is living in in this book um, where he he really has a lot of empathy, sympathy for the position that his dad and his brother are in at times um, where mm-hmm. he, he says like he acknowledges that the hand, you know, the pat on the knee that his dad gives him there in that moment is is a big deal for his dad right that 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 kind of affection is above and beyond what he's used to getting and so he understands that his dad is like showing some form of emotion and he can now recognize in retrospect and maybe like recognize at the time but couldn't put it into words that like that was harmful that that was not what he needed at the time Mm -hmm. And so, and, and I, I, I'm looking for the quote, it's a, like behind a paywall, so it's like really hard to find, but I wish I could find this quote of how Dr. Mate put it, because he, he was like, you know, we're all in many, in most ways, products of our environment and anything we've done, uh, but products of our environment and upbringing, and then the things that we've done to like get past that, right? Um, the, the environment and, and upbringing that we had. Um, and and he, he describes like, Yes, Harry, you had a good childhood in many ways. And Harry, you had a very traumatic childhood. And like the touching thing, I think, is a really great example of that. I also think it's a great example of why it's very, uh, it's annoying and frustrating that people just refuse to believe Megan when she says things. Reading this book, I was like, People love to make fun of Megan for things like the curtsy or the fact that she didn't, you know, like, oh, like Kate, Kate hugs who she wants to hug. So, like, the fact that she didn't hug Megan is because, you know, Megan was being really forward. But I think all of our assumption, because what the royal family wants us to believe, um, they want us to believe this, so it becomes our assumption. It's what the media reports that, like, they are actually a super warm and close family with each other. And like Will and Harry were super close and he and Harry and Kate, um, and sorry, Kate, William and Harry were like really close and fun. And 
Um, you put that together with the fact that when Megan met Harry, he was like, they were really chill. You know, she called him after their first date and he was smoking weed with a buddy. He met her friends or she met his friends. She met his cousin and everything was chill. And then she, she just comes to expect like we all do from the outside looking in that like they have a public persona and then they have a private persona. That's what she experienced Mm -hmm. with Harry. That's what we all think happens with their family. But when you read Mm -hmm. this book, you're like, oh, that is not the truth for all that. That is Harry's re- truth um, mm-hmm. with Harry and his friends, but it is not Harry's truth with his family. And it's certainly not Megan's truth with his family. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so like, I think I just, even though this book was fully about Harry put, it put a lot of things that we've learned about Megan's experience in that family into really great context and made them, at least for me, very believable. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with that. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I also, I mean, I even, like, as we talk about, like, you know, not speaking for other people, like, even this, even, like, with Megan and their experiences together, like, obviously a lot of the stuff that he's talking about, like, not just with their relationship, but also with the fallout from the family and everything that happened, like, obviously a lot of that had to do with them as a couple, um, but, you know, I think that he, he really he talks about like when like we are making decisions like we made the decision to do this and this um but he also again like doesn't speak for her he doesn't like when he's talking about the moment when she's pregnant with archie and says that she doesn't know that she wants to live anymore and you know he talks about how that affected him and like the thoughts that he had but he doesn't presume to like tell more of her story in that and I thought that I just felt like that was the way that he he does that is was really respectful mm-hmm. um and it gives it, it it is it does give insight into Megan without speaking for her um and being like well, this is my book, but I'm going to tell all of our story. Like, I don't know. I just, I thought it was handled. He just handled it really well, in my opinion. Maybe somebody else would think differently, but. I think the other thing it does too, is that a lot of people who are on the anti side believe that, you know, she, she's a Jezebel and she bewitched him and she stole him away from the family. But Reading the book and also having watched the Netflix documentary, these people are so much in love. Like, mm-hmm. oh my god, they're so, they're love. They're, their love it's is ridiculous. Like it's a, it's yes. insane. It's insane. It's, they truly like adore each other. And from very yes. early in the relationship, I mean, like, I fully agree with you, Steffi. What you just said about like you know, not writing other people's perspectives and like it, it, it gives us part of their story and get, we get to know them a bit um, without him intruding onto parts of their, into some parts of their life that they might want to be private. I think his family would argue mm-hmm. that he did intrude on a lot of um, parts of their life that they want to be private. But, um, you know, he, he did try to walk that balance. The opposite of that though, <laughs> is that like, especially with the Harry and Meghan stuff, and also, I would say with the Cressida and, um, oh, God, I'm forgetting the other girlfriend's name. And I, you know, I used to know all of Harry's girlfriend's names. Uh, so. Chelsea? Chelsea Davies. Chelsea, yes. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. 
the one that he met in Africa. I'm sorry. Well, yes. well we can talk about that later. Um, but <laughs> I think with the girlfriends in particular, um, I was just insanely curious about what this experience was like for them, especially the early days of Megan when they go to Botswana in Africa. And um, he loses his phone and she he's like doing these, what would come across to me, um, I mean, if you're already like kind of in love, it, maybe it's cute, but like what would come across to me is like a little bit insane and unhinged, like, taking, <laughs> you know, writing something on a, on a napkin and then like sending your friend to drive to go see his wife so that she can take a picture of it and text it to you. Like, what is that? <laughs> right? Like, like, I need to okay. know Megan's side of the story. <laughs> like, honestly, just having the, the friend's wife text Megan and be like, yo, Harry lost his phone. In the would river. probably have sufficed, but like also, but also, you know, like, I mean, I imagine, you know, it seems like she was very enamored with him early on as yeah. well. Um, and so I, you know, I, but also like, I guess that he did go a little bit above and beyond the like, yo, lost my phone, contact you later, bitch. Kind of thing. <laughs> like, so, After he lost his phone know. in the bush, they talked almost every I mean, day. I mean, I mean like, on what? the <laughs> On the one hand, like, you are a prince, and, like, maybe it was just that, like, he wanted her to know, like, I'm, I wasn't, like, screwing around. Yeah, I'm not being, yeah. like, a playboy prince, whatever. Like, I actually yes. do really care, and I'm going to be crazy. <laughs> I mean, yes. yeah. And, and like, they both just, I mean, like, what, between their, after their first, after their second date in London at the same place, Soho House? Like yeah. they pl- they p- whipped out their calendars and planned their flight schedules for yeah. the rest of a summer, for the rest of a year. Yeah. Like that's that's crazy love right away. Um, that's yeah. like that's like you know taking the leap with someone in like quite an aggressive way. That kind of mm-hmm. underscores both of your points that like their love story is. It feels it shouldn't even be real. Like if you wrote that. Uh, in a in a in a novel or in a in a fictional movie script people would be like that's too much it feels like a fairy tale <laughs> like mm-hmm. a, a, like royal royal going going from being a total like normie i mean she was an actress so like not a total normie but also like a normie to like being a princess like you take you could like literally take that out of the picture it, just their love story is a fairy tale <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I, I, I took a, a few film classes in college, and one of the movies that we, we watched a lot of like old movies, and one of the movies that we watched was It Happened One Night, where they fall in love over the course of a night, and in my paper, I was like, this is totally unbelievable, but apparently, <laughs> it can happen. I mean, like- Not just in for, movies. For him, it was like, love at first sight from Instagram, which is- Yeah. Even, With a like, dog filter. I mean, like, truly <laughs> bananas. Truly bananas, but really, I mean, ultimately, like, of course, really sweet. And like the Mm. ways that they, you know, I know this is about the book and I, and sometimes I I have trouble remembering what was in the book and what was in the documentary. Um, That's fine. But like the way We can also just tell everyone to go watch the documentary if you haven't. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's only six hours or something. It's excellent. It's... Girl, that was not selling it. It's truly excellent. Everyone should watch it. It, it is. It is. It is really excellent. And I think um, they did a really good job, both in, in in the documentary, but in this book of sharing their love story in a way that was like very romantic and engaging and um, 
really opening the doors to like their love story while still like protecting themselves. I think that's Mm -hmm. something they like Harry is very open throughout the book, but, um, and maybe this is kind of similar and a neighbor to the point that you're making earlier, Steffi, um, that like, even though he's very vulnerable about his own feelings, like, and we get a sense of what Megan's, you know, story side of the story was, but it's still very, her, her side is still very private. And if she ever Mm -hmm. chose to write her side of the story, we would still have a lot to learn. Um, because, yeah. because he didn't tell her story. He told his, his version of events, which I think is really, yeah. really beautiful. Right. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't speak to like what was going on in her head in that moment, what led to that moment, like it, internally, like it's very much like, this is what she told me and this is what I observed and this is what we did. And you know, mm-hmm. yeah. this is how I felt and all of the, all of those things without still with, but without feeling like clinical, um, since you brought it up, Ari, would you like to go back to the girlfriend he met in Africa? Um, I, I, yeah, I, so a couple things. I think on the, on the point of girlfriends, broadly speaking, Harry was, he was able to write this book with, with the help of his ghostwriter and editors and team. Um, and th- we walked away from the book and I think all of the, all of these women that he had yeah, played like a really pivotal role in his life, um, in his love life. Walked like we walked away. With, I I walked away admiring them all. Let me not say we. I walked away admiring every single one of them for some reason or mm-hmm. other. Um, he and they were they were both at his wedding. Both Cressida and um, Chelsea. Oh, Chelsea. Why am I forgetting Chelsea Davies' name? I I've <laughs> known Chelsea. who she was since I was in my teens. So this is bananas. <laughs> um, <laughs> I uh, I thought that, yeah, we walked away from this book. I'd say, like, the, the people that I walked away loving the most, other than Megan, were Tej and Mike, obviously, Chelsea obviously. and Cressida, and um, uh, the the bodyguard, um, like, that helped him when they were young, uh, was another person who really helped him. And then, like, George. The, Marco? The one who started, yeah, Marco. And then the guy who started calling him Spike. And I, and, uh, um, yes. I think George was his name. Like, the, like so many of these people... I think to me that was like one of the bombshells of the book. Like the people in Harry's life, the family that he's made for himself, which is something that resonates with so many of us. Um, You know, I don't particularly come from a, not even particularly, I don't even generally come from a hard family background. Like I've had a really like lovely two parent upbringing with like lots of love and fun. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and still the, the idea of the family you make or the family you choose really resonates with me. I can only imagine how much more something like that resonates for somebody who's really had a similar story to, or a story that in any way reflects Harry's like that, that family he's made for himself to me was the, was like the big bombshell. Like the fact that he calls somebody mom who lives on this planet today is Mm -hmm. a shocking thing. And mm-hmm. I don't think that the average person knew that about Harry. And instead of talking about things like that, that I do think were hu- huge revelations, um, you know, they were, they were talking about like, oh, like Harry talked about how Camilla changed his bedroom into uh, a, her wardrobe, right? Like, okay, yeah, fine. But like, there were other things that I thought were really pivotal, important pieces of the story that the, that the, the larger narrative of like the world talking about this book left out. One more yeah, thing I want like to say about Africa. One though. line. They like, like again, like yeah. poor Harry. Like let's let's throw it on 
individual lines like lots kind of, of taken out of context that crazy like it it's no. like it, he wasn't he doesn't sound that bitter about it he was just a little sad like anybody is when maybe their parents get remarried and like some some drama happens right like it, it wasn't he even was like i got over it yeah it wasn't <laughs> that much crazier than than i think most many of us have experienced um yeah the other thing i want to say about the africa thing of it all like i have I have, I'm living in like a yes and, right, with, with the Africa piece because um, I think it's ridiculous in 2023 that somebody is referring to uh, the continent of Africa as Africa when you're talking about very specific places. Like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't enjoy that aspect of it at all. However, I think it's very I'm sorry, authentic. Sorry, are to you a- trying to tell us that <laughs> Africa is like not just one giant country? That's I'm, like weird. It is. Uh, I think fifty-three countries at this point, Harry, <laughs> as he probably and almost certainly knows because he loves that continent, and I do believe that he loves that continent. Um, but in particular, he has he has a fondness for Botswana and for Lesotho, right? And so, like, I wish uh-huh. um, he would talk about that explicitly more. And in particular, he traveled a lot to Botswana, Lesotho, and South Africa. And I wish he would just be specific, um, as he yeah. would, you know, at times in the story, uh, story in his life. I did. I did think it was very weird that he I, did that. The other and side. I don't of the- know if it's like because he's the British royal like colonialism mindset or. I think the other side of it for me is is exactly the the why of it. Two two things. One, I think that's that is exactly it, Megan. Like that mm-hmm. is how his family and his circle talks about the sub-Saharan Africa in like space. Um, but the other thing is that like if that is the case, that that is how his family and friends and circle talk about sub-Saharan Africa. Um, for better or for worse, I think it makes Harry a very reliable narrator that he mm-hmm. didn't seek to make himself look better. <laughs> like he explicitly was just like, yeah, like he just shit. He, he was being himself in the book. A lot of people. And I say that because I think a lot of people want to cast doubt on the story of like, Oh, like he's just painting himself to look wonderful and awesome in this book. I think there's many places mm-hmm. where that's not true. He's just painting himself to be himself. And this is he's part of that story. Yeah. And this is part of that. And so like, in some ways I was like, all right, Harry, like, my guy, this sucks, but at least you're honest. Like, you know. I mean, I think if we, I think the 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 Nazi uniform debacle, Halloween debacle, is like an example. Like, if he wanted to make himself look better, he could have. Tr- he could have tried to pin that on somebody else, or I don't know. Like, there's a lot of ways. I mean, he could have he could have not talked about it at all. Like, right? He could have glossed over it. Like, yeah. And, I honestly don't he, think like, that was an option. It. I don't think that was an option. It. it, it I mean, it I don't think it was an option, but also at the same time, like, there are many things that he did not talk about in the book that, like, in theory, could have not talked about it. But yeah, I think I think you know when I when I thought about the things that would be included in Harry's book, I thought mom's death. Uh, Nazi uniform, booty in Vegas, and uh, <laughs> and and, Meg- and Megan. Like those are the things that I essentially thought about, and like the 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 kind of fallout of the family. Like those were the things that I was like, if he doesn't include these in the book, he's he will be roasted for not being authentic about his life because those are the things, whether they were big or small for him, they have been mm-hmm. big in the and also military service they have been big in like the media's perception of who harry is um Mm -hmm. and and drugs probably too which like i he he, his relationship with drugs i think is really interesting um and he actually talked about a lot with um 
the doctor, which I, that mm-hmm. was also an interesting conversation about like why everyone uses drugs for a reason. Harry, at different points in your life, you use different drugs. Like, let's talk about why. Why did you use cocaine? He's like, to fit in. That is a reason. Is it a good reason? You know, we can argue about whether or not it is. But, like, his relationship with drugs is, I think, another thing that, like, he had to talk about because the media always talks about it. And so, like, I I do think to an extent, like, yeah, he could have chosen to leave things out of the book. Um, And there is a lot left out of the book, right? Um, But I, I think those five or six things were, like, not options for him if he wanted to seem like he's actually telling his story, a story that we as the readers and people who follow his life recognize, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. I mean, there were enough people that were like, he said that Diana gave him a PlayStation and PlayStations weren't invented until blah. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. It's like one line in the book. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, how, right. how well do you remember every, I mean, some people really do remember every single little detail of their childhood. Not me. One no, of the most pivotal moments of my life was when my parents gave me an American Girl doll. Asked me which Christmas it was. Couldn't tell you. Could not tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so I think similarly, a lot of people were like, why are all the, why are all the quotes, like, why are all the, the, um, oh my God, why are words so hard for me today? Um, <laughs> why were all the, the quotes in Why is all the dialogue, yeah. why is all the dialogue in italics? And, uh, I mean, that's clearly a choice that they made yeah. um, to do that instead of, you know, use quotations like in a typical book. Um, and he says very early on, mm-hmm. and I can't remember if it was in the prologue or if it was in the first chapter, but very early on in the book, he basically says, like, I do, I do not remember what people said word for word. Mm-hmm. like in conversations like i remember the gist of things more or less is, is what he says um and so i i personally wonder if the choice to use italics for the dialogue is um in a way reflective of the fact that like okay like this book would be really fucking boring to read if you didn't have any dialogue in it, but also like the acknowledgement that like this is coming from memory and the conversations may not be exactly as they may not have happened exactly as they are written mm-hmm. here. I, well, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I hundred percent. I would agree with that. That's with that. generally, I mean, I've, I've read multiple other memoirs before and they do always have dialogue. Like, you know, you know that they do not, have the dialogue there to write their books for mm-hmm. many cases but they still write it anyway and so mm-hmm. i i do like that he used the italics because like you're saying i it re, it shows uh acknowledgement of the unre- unreliable narrator that he knows mm-hmm. himself to be um but also like you said like it does break up the story a little bit more but i appreciate that he did that mm-hmm. fully agree yeah yeah the people are like why is that that's so weird i'm like is it like it, i didn't I think know, it was like, weird at all use some critical thinking skills it's not that weird i, I, I would say that generally like the uh, again i listened to a majority of of the book um but generally speaking i did find the format to be dif- different than reading a novel or <laughs> which i hope it would be since it's somebody's real life um and i found it different to reading um 
like just any other, you know, memoir or, or, you know, piece of history that I've read. That being said, like, you just adjust. Like, I remember when, when people, when She Who Shall Not Be Named's um, play, play extension Mm -hmm. came out and people were like, what? Up in arms. Like, this is crazy. I can barely read this. And I'm like, it's a play. Like, you read it like a play, right? Like, you have to read the stage directions. You have to read, like, when you read different formats, you have to adjust. And so it's, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, yeah, I did see some criticism about, like, the the style of reading. I will say, like, again, when I picked up the book, just like I was kind of taken aback, I even just opened my book right now and I saw Willie and I was like, oh my God. Like, I'm always taken aback by by certain aspects of how the book is written, but then you settle into the rhythm of it um, like you do with anything else. And, and I think he very much wrote in his own voice. And I think mm-hmm. ghostwriters, side note, are amazing because they are able to write in so many people's voices over the course of their career. I don't, I, I, this is not how this other, this guy has written other memoirs that he's written. And so like kudos to him for like capturing Harry's like very stream of conscious way of talking if you've ever seen an interview with him, this is like, this is like reading in Harry's voice. Like mm-hmm. it's very, you know, Dr. Dr. Mate for better, or for worse, diagnosed him with, <laughs> I thought this was really inappropriate, but diagnosed him during like their thing. He's like, I think you have ADD. Um, you know, like I've diagnosed a lot of ADD and I, after reading your book and talking to you a couple of times, like, I think that's probably something you have. Um, and, and Harry was like, Oh, okay. Like, cool um but like it it you know that <laughs> with that in mind it, it in some parts it did feel like reading um you know so the the reading the story of somebody who has ADD like you're 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 here and then the next chapter you're somewhere very different and then even sometimes within the chapter you pivot and and it all connects mm-hmm. right you can see mm-hmm. how he's getting places but um it is definitely a different reading experience and and I and I'd hope that people would just take it for what it is because it's his mem it's his memoir everybody he gets to write it how he wants you can write your own later <laughs> and I bet no one will read it because you're not for Terry. Um, you know, the other thing that I, speaking of ADHD over here, uh, somewhere along that, it made me think of this. Um, the other thing that I thought was really interesting, um, it kind of goes back to, you know, not giving the people the salacious, mm. like the tea, um, like obviously when obviously as he's talking about um the family like obviously he has to name people in the family people people know who the people in the family are quite clearly um and he talks he you know he names his friends by their first names and his girlfriends um you know things like that people who he's had like positive experiences with he has no problem like naming them mm-hmm. um but when he talks about, I thought it was really interesting because the people who he had nothing nice to say about them. Um, so the journalists, um, and then like the, the bee, the wasp and the fly, um, mm-hmm. like he gives them nickname, he nicknames them. And like it, a little, a little Google digging and you could certainly figure out who these people are and what their names are. Um, right. But like he, he just he i thought it was interesting how he he nicknames them instead of like uh just like blasting their name out there um i, I do think I, in in I that, that case i think in that in those cases though i think that's actually more for his own protection i mean probably because like you said you i mean you could figure out who they are i mean a lot of people did or like go ahead and 
and dig the people's names up and, and things like that. But I do think if he had gone ahead and named them, that would probably have caused more problems mm-hmm. for his family in the way that, I mean, the way they've already been treated in the media, I think. Um, it was a, a cautious choice, I think. Mm-hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I also think it gave this air of like... <laughs> That's when, like, the prince part of his name <laughs> came out. I was like, you're not even good enough to be named in my book. <laughs> yeah, I do think that, too. Like, yes, I'm not going to give you that. the satisfaction of being named in my book. A little oh, bit. Right? Like that woman. Oh, God. The woman that um, it, it oh came God, out as yes. saying, like, she was his the person that he lost his virginity to. And he, like, yeah. fully. It's such a short bit in the book. It's, like, three lines, maybe maximum is like she likes horses and she was older that's like it that's like he, he's like, in the aristocracy in field behind a pub he, like. he grew up in the aristocracy everybody has it a could horse have been anyone <laughs> everyone likes horses. there are so many horse girls guys <laughs> like it was just it was just but she was like he outed me like now everyone knows it's no ma'am nobody not only not only did we not know it was you nobody cared <laughs> like nobody yes. actually cared um so it was i thought that was like the, in the in the re, it, re, the reverse of that is like somebody like her being like yeah like he totally no we, he didn't care to name you for a reason he didn't care to name those people for a reason probably I think you're right Megan a lot of it's probably about protection that that's that he's being prudent um, but also like it doesn't matter that much you don't matter that much <laughs> yeah one thing that I thought was really interesting in the book overall was I felt like he focused a lot on the work that he did and how much he enjoyed working. Yeah. Which comes across very interesting to me because you think of the royals as, you know, they don't work, which I know they technically have jobs, but they don't work like the rest of us work. But he did like you know, real hands-on work, like building things and herding cattle and I, don't, I can't even remember everything, like learning how to pilot a helicopter. Um, and I just thought it was, he like really seemed to throw himself into all of those things. Yeah, I have a, I have a couple thoughts on, on that. And I think um, one is that like Harry is a he's a smart guy. He's not an intellectual guy. Um, mm-hmm. Not to say that like uh, that he can't, he, you know, he talks a lot about therapy and I think has a lot of smart things to say, but like he was not a book school kind of, kind of kid. Right. He thrived when he was playing sports and doing things in the outdoors and, and using his hands and that carried over into adulthood. And I think um, anywhere where any of us find, you know, that we can excel, especially when we're children, I not, maybe not even especially when we're children, when we're adults, and people can recognize that we can hold our own and be good at things, especially when in other areas of our life, we're not able to do that. Like, of course he loves doing things where that he's good at. Of course he loves going, um, you know, to, to her, uh, herd cattle and stuff like that. Like he can excel, he can, he can master it and people aren't calling him dummies on the front page of a newspaper. Right. So that's, that's mm-hmm. thing one that like, he just naturally gravitates toward them and, um, he was able to find kind of like just 
good parts of who he was. Um, cause he, he says he did, he said in, in an interview, like, no, I don't think it was self-loathing, but like I read self-loathing, self-loathing in a lot of what he was writing. Right. Especially when he was a child and, um, and in his relationships with how like women felt, got really like overwhelmed. Like, and he was like, it's cause of my horribleness that they're like, if if I'm the parasite in their life, you know, like that's, that's self-loathing. And he has a lot of that. So when he found places that he didn't have that, that was, that was really a good thing for him. The other thing I would say is that like, often when he was doing those things, he was really far away from home. And that's when he was Mm -hmm. happiest. He was happiest Mm -hmm. when he was in Africa. He was happiest when he was in Australia or New Zealand or, or literally anywhere. He was happiest when he was in, you know, fighting in a war. He was happiest when he was able to be, um, the the spike version of himself and not the the prince harry version of himself um because the prince harry version of himself was like at the mercy of his family and the media and and that's when he was the least happy right um and the most persecuted um for life it feels weird saying that about a prince but you know to a degree yeah persecuted um so i i think you know when when that's how i read those two things um that like he he and he genuinely does in, enjoy them, but like they also give him a, a sense of purpose and, and, and excellence. And also um, it's when he was away and, and when he was away, he could be the maybe truer or truer version of him or a version of him that he liked better. Yeah. And I would have to think that as, as a Royal, but not the Royal as the spare, that's probably a really confusing place to be mm-hmm. because Mm-hmm. You still have to adhere to all of the protocols of all the things that you're required to do for the family. And you don't um, get to be who you want to be yeah. ever yeah. unless you are, you know, hiding away on a ranch in Australia or hiking in the North Pole. Um, yeah, it's. I'm sure uh, it didn't help matters that uh they never really addressed any of the the issues that came up after his mother died but, yeah um, and only made them worse to yeah. be honest um but yeah i feel it's it's kind of a bum deal to be in the royal family yeah i mean like you, know? you can see that same little vis- little like parts of that from other members in the royal family like i think kate looks like she is at her most comfortable when she is playing sports like when mm-hmm. she has got, you know, a pair of pants on and she's like running in a race or like rowing a boat, like she, that's where she looks the most comfortable and is excelling. People say it's with children, like maybe, but she looks like the happiest and, and most competent at things when she is, you know, doing something sporty. I can't say what it is for William, if I'm being honest, like, I don't know. I'm sure he's got a talent. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> With uh, with Charles, it's all about like this environment stuff and like flowers and like nature, yeah. And, like you know, like the the soft side of nature. Um, and with Megan, it's like, um, she, I think she's really great at public speaking. I don't know if that's what she would, I would say like is her passion, but like you know, the actress in her, like the person who can just turn it on and just like connect with the crowd. Yeah, the, the rest of the family does really not have that. Yeah, she is. Yeah. She is excellent with a with a crowd yeah. or with a group of people, um, and so like like we see that with other members, where like sometimes they look fine and sometimes they look amazing, and when they look amazing, it's when they're in their element. Yeah, I did want to spend a little like return to something Steffi talked about earlier, if I could for a second, um, and talk just a little bit about the military stuff, um, because I think that's relevant here. Um, like, you know, a lot of, I've heard a lot from a lot of people, um, 
that the military stuff was really hard for them or, or like they just, some people are like, I wish it was shorter or it was, you know, boring or, or whatever. Um, but I really found the military stuff to be, I won't go as far as to say like super interesting and like engaging, but I found it to be two things. One, like I'm not the kind of person to, to ever pick up like memoir of this service person who served in Afghanistan. Like that's not me, you know, maybe I should Mm -hmm. be, but that's not who I am. Um, and I think that, um, this was a really important thing for me to read, um, you know, in a country where we've essentially been at war for like most of my life fighting somewhere in the Middle East. Like it was really interesting to read Harry's firsthand account of what that was like for him, even though it wasn't necessarily like the average person's account. I think it did really important work for like these millions and millions of people around the world who uh, live in, you know, developed countries and their countries are like fighting in, you know, poorer countries um and we just don't really know what that's about so i think that's one thing and then the other thing i i think about the military service part is that like um you know it was a chance for harry to to share a little bit of that side of himself and that kind of it was, a, it was just like another version of spike where he just got to excel and and be one of the guys and and you know he he studied really hard at something for the first time in his life and and succeeded right and he even got like honored for for his for his aptitude not for who his his family was and like that that's a really important thing for him but then on the other side it's like to your point about him loving to work um you know he really values um his work with veterans and i think this was like his secret way for to get us all to be like here are some things that veterans deal with you know pt post-traumatic stress whether we say it's ptsi or, or ptsd um you know you know, re- reintegrating into society, looking for your purpose after, um, you know, all of these things are things that people all around us are experiencing, um, who are veterans and, and some people who aren't, of course. Right. Um, and what reading his like intimate account of that was, I think it's a big part of his life, but it's also a big part of his mission and like his purpose at, at this point in his life with the Invictus games and everything. So I thought it was really clever and smart add to, to the book. So in, in some ways I did enjoy it. Is, is that something I'm going to, is that the part that I'm going to like turn back to and read again? Like maybe not. Um, but it was interesting to hear like even those tidbits about like flying the Apache over London and like some kid with a laser beam, like flashing in his eye and he, you know, like what, yeah. like <laughs> how is that even possible? That seems super dangerous. Um, so like, yeah, to your point about it, uh, talking about how he and other veterans have to like reintegrate into society afterward. Mm-hmm. I think it, it, it does make sense for him to include it in there. Like you're saying it is, it is clever because we've spent, you know, first, I don't know. I don't know what point in the book when he talks about the military, but we've spent, you know, 200 pages with him, like through his childhood and all the upbringing that he had, we've getting close to him. And now we feel like we can understand him. And we feel connected to him and his experience. And that does translate across to other military people. Mm-hmm. And it helps me a little bit to um, understand a little bit more about why people go into the military. Mm. Um, not, not necessarily on the level that he did, of course, because I think as part of the royal family, they're required to do a little bit of it. But then for him to decide you know, say, you know, I want to go to Afghanistan. I want to be fighting. I want to be doing this when my general thoughts are not positive ones about this extremely long standing war that we've been in. But 
it, it was good for me to see the other side of it and that I wouldn't, like you said, I wouldn't normally be exposed to that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, one la- the one like big thing that I'd love to talk about uh, before we end off or at whatever point uh, is his relationship with the queen and how he talks about her and the epilogue. Do you guys have thoughts and feelings you would like to share with the class i mean i don't i feel like it's always portrayed that he has a very close relationship with the queen or had a close relationship with the queen but in the book i did not get a sense of that um he talks about her lovingly but i think there's more instances Mm -hmm. of where there's a bit of struggle and not necessarily um in, in terms of, you know, like the royal, the royal struggle, not a familial struggle. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily get a sense of mm-hmm. their personal relationship. And I don't know if it's because of the way the family is or if he chose to um, keep that closer to his chest. That's a, that, that like different versions of what that could be is really important. It's not something I thought of. Cause I just walked away from the book being like, wow, he really isn't that close to his grandma. Um, and, <laughs> and, 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 and no one is, it seems right. Like, <laughs> and like, and like there, there is this jockeying of positions to be close mm-hmm. to her and, mm-hmm. and, and you have to be willing to play the game a bit to be close to her. Maybe this is like, uh, this is partially what we, I read in the book and partially a read into the family based on like, how I see things going from afar and in the news and stuff like Edward and Sophie were super close to her at the end of her reign. And like, you know, try, we're always around her and she was there, you know, they were her favorites and blah, blah, blah. Right. And like Andrew was her favorite and she always kept him around and like, and, mm-hmm. and partially, partially that's just like, sometimes you like people more and she liked them. Right. And partially that's like, Harry was young and she was really old and he was like in school and stuff a lot. And he was away a lot. Like, I I don't know exactly what it was, but like to your point, Megan, I I don't see them. I didn't see a super close relationship there. And I would go even one step further to say like, Harry didn't Harry and, and a lot of them, or at least Harry and William, we get some snippets that like William experiences too. Like didn't know that much about the rules around their family. Like he didn't know he had to ask for permission to get married he didn't know how to ask her that he didn't know how to get time to with her to that do it and that was before me. all the megan stuff right like the stuff went crazy it was like he had to like go on the family hunting trip and like corner her weirdly to ask for permission i was like wait so like it's not just that they're not a close family or that you know their version of closeness is different than ours um, and that they have to treat her as the queen it's like they don't have they didn't even have access to her like they mm-hmm. like it was like the CEO of the company and you're mm-hmm. some lowly employee and he was sixth in line for the throne at the time or, or maybe higher at certain points, mm-hmm. definitely higher at certain points in the book. So it's like, it's just, I found that whole, the whole thing to be puzzling. For example, there's the scene where scene, I, I don't, the, the story that he tells, it's not fake. It's not a scene where he, where Harry um, introduces her to, to Eugenie <laughs> and Jack lovely great they hit it off they're super close the next time she meets eugenie and jack i'm talking about megan is at prince andrew's house with fergie um eugenie's mom because 
my the weirdest fact about the royal well, not the weirdest but one of the weirdest facts about the royal family is that fergie and andrew still live together and have for like many many years even though they've been divorced for many many years but anyway the, he's taking her to her to, the, to their house after lunch one day and um they find out the queen's gonna be there and for, and eugenie and jack are visiting you know her parents and they get there and I think the point of the story is most, supposed to be mostly about how Megan is meeting the queen and it's like the curtsy story from a different perspective, right? But for me, the big takeaway was that little detail he mentions mm-hmm. about how she's met Eugenie and Jack before. In fact, they've hit it off, but they act like they don't know her in that scene, in that moment. Yes. I thought that was and I was wild. like, and it's because of the dynamic of the queen. And I just like, it's little details like that. Yeah. Cause then they even say the men at the queen leaves. You did great. Oh my it's God. Like it's so again. lovely. Like I, it's just, I don't think any of us, even after reading this book, because he did kind of hold some things still close to his chest, despite what, you know, royalists would say about this book, revealing everything about the Royal family. We still, there's still a lot we don't know, but one thing is definitely clear. It's that, we don't we can't understand how this family actually operates like there's yeah. nothing in yeah. our in most people's experience that will help them understand how this family operates maybe the closest thing to this other than other royal families are like big money families with like a uh you know patriarch or matriarch who has all the purse strings like kind of thing like mm-hmm. and it has to be like a lot of money i'm not talking like you know a couple million it's like all oh, i like like you access to this person is so restricted for a variety of reasons that like you love them and they know who you are and they're still your family but like they're also like the boss of the family like it was it was so puzzling to me as somebody who's followed the royal family and feels like I know a lot about how things operate like I walked away from the book being like I don't understand anything about this family and if Harry doesn't know all these things I feel annoyed again not to bring Megan into everything that people are judging her for not understanding the dynamics of the family before she joined it or even today <laughs> because like mm-hmm. seems confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fully agree. Fully agree with that. Um, yeah. I don't know. I thought it was, um, <clears throat> I don't know. I thought the the epilogue was so interesting t- to me. Um, like, I don't know, even just the fact that, like, he, you know, walked into the bedroom after she died to, like, see her body. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'd only been inside her bedroom once before in his entire life. Mm-hmm. I was like... I don't know. Again, like, I know that I have a very small, like, very close, tight-knit family, and we're, like, all up each other's butts all the fucking time, but, like, <laughs> the, the concept of, like, only, like, being inside your grandmother's bedroom, like, one time in your 30-something years of life is so odd to me, um, and just very much speaks to like this is there's just this like there's just a space between the monarch and uh even her children and grandchildren i don't know i also think sad the epilogue was really there were two things that i happened to the epilogue like i didn't it i don't i can't i can't speculate I, i i this isn't my life experience in any way shape or form 
but it's the first time he takes Megan to his mom's grave, which I think is really interesting oh, and, and really lovely. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the call comes in and I think the other really big takeaway for me out of this chapter, other than, you know, some of those like, wow, they really were distant, you know, feelings. It's just mm-hmm. how distant he just how I don't know what the right word is. I don't want to ever judge the way somebody's grieving or whatever, or, or the, di- I don't understand their dynamics, but like the fact that they left Harry and, and, you know, we already knew these facts, but reading them from Harry's perspective was really hard that they left Harry. They took a private plane and left him that they, all of them left the house except for princess Anne before he arrived. Um, mm-hmm. Like I just, I just don't, I don't know what to make of it. Like I, 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 I don't want to hold hatred in my heart for people, but it just seems like a really hateful thing to do to somebody um, who at that, I mean, I guess at that point the book was already about to come out, but like, I, I just, what has Harry done that is so bad that you can't, Mm -hmm. that you can't be there for him in these very basic ways. I can't believe I'm getting emotional right now, but I am like, no, I mean, nobody deserves this from their family. Nobody deserves this from their family. Yeah. And to, to, to my, my point before where I was like, he's, He's far down the line. He is is not going to become king Mm -hmm. unless something extremely tragic happens. And he wants to live his life and he wants to be happy. And why why can't he do that? Why will they not let him be happy with his family? And they can be a part of that too. Why can't they be a part of his happiness? I don't understand why it's so personal to them that he wants something different he did not ask to be born into the royal family mm-hmm. none of them asked to be born into it and if he has the opportunity to find happiness elsewhere why can't they accept that and what what i don't understand to your point is like this wasn't just a thing that happened when they knew the book was coming out this wasn't just a mm-hmm. thing that started when the oprah interview happened this was as early as like nobody knew how bad things were for Megan. They're begging for help. They're begging for a way out. And they're like, no, they're mm-hmm. looking for an alternative way to like live their life somewhere else in New Zealand or in South Africa or somewhere. And they leak it to the press. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it, it's things like that, that I, I still do not understand except for when, for example, Tyler Perry in the, um, in the documentary, Mm-hmm. says like it's an abusive relationship that's the only way mm-hmm. that it like it doesn't make sense otherwise like this isn't yeah. they haven't done anything publicly publicly to you at this point and you're mm-hmm. still preventing them from any form of freedom from something that they are telling you on a regular basis is very harmful to them mm-hmm. and you're seeing it have play out in the news and you're seeing this pregnant niece slash not niece <laughs> they're seeing your pregnant daughter-in-law or or sister-in-law really suffering whether you agree with it or not and you're just saying like no 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 way out no way out and it was also it's also it was also baffling too to read you know harry talk about the like early days of megan's relationship with charles because like it seemed like early in that relationship like before they got married and maybe even like early in the marriage that Megan and Charles were actually like that, that, that Megan brought out a side of Charles that Harry had never really seen or had very rarely seen. 
um, that she sort of brought out his humanity in a way. Um, my words, not Harry's. Um, and so it, it was like extra baffling to have to to have that and then have it just all of a sudden like flip. Yeah. I think like, what's all, also what like, happened? What's <laughs> what? really made it a very odd reading experience. I, I can't think of another book that I've read that I like really remember a lot of the ins and outs of the story before they come, but it felt a lot like reading Romeo and Juliet where you're just like, Oh, Harry, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. wait, it's going to get way worse. Like, I mean, and that, and in some ways it was just like, wow, I can't, I can't believe knowing where we are now that this was how it started. But in, in the, in, on the other side, like, you know, through all the tears and the emotion of the book, I was just like, every time he was happy, you're just like, your heart constricts a little bit because you're like, this isn't going to last. Uh, and, and, and it's hard to enjoy those moments with him because you know, it's not going to last. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. It is sad. It's really sad. Just want to like wrap him up, keep him safe. I know. Even like young Harriet Eaton. God, those just sounded like horrible days for him when oh. he shaved his head and like all of that stuff. William sounds like the worst older brother to go to school with. Like, Truly. can't imagine. Like, they're at, at so many points in the book. Like, the one of the tabloid stories that truly baffled me, truly baffled me was the one where they said he he was in early high school and they were like, he went to rehab. And I was just like, how did they let this story run? It doesn't make any sense. He's in boarding school. He was there the whole time. Like, you can prove that he was there. This would be an easy story to refute. And his family just chose not to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that, wasn't that one of the stories that they, like, exchanged? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even that they were refuting. Like, they were just like, we're we're letting this lie because we want to protect someone else. Mm-hmm. They were, Baffling. I think it was, it was soon after Charles and Camilla publicly restarted their relationship. And they wanted to make Charles look like a harried, worried, yeah. caring father. I just, mm-hmm. I, it's like, the, the is the payoff so great that you're willing to sell your kids out this way? Apparently. And, and, and frankly, you know, I, I will, I will be the first to say, not the first, maybe like the fifth in line to be like, I admired the queen. <laughs> I admired her. I, I think there are a lot of admirable qualities that she had, but, and I don't think this is what Harry and Meghan are trying to do at all, but just by knowing the facts of how things played out. Yeah. She doesn't have control over everything, but like, yeah, she was a queen, but she also still headed up. Like she didn't fundamentally feminize the, the institution, uh, it wasn't until George was born that they made it so that if a, woman, a a girl is born, she is actually the first in line for the throne ahead of her brothers, right? Like, she had her children, and her children had children, and she didn't do anything about it until mm-hmm. her grandchildren had children. So, like, let's not pretend that she was, like, some amazing feminist, right? Mm-hmm. Similarly, she raised children... Not that parents are responsible for their kid, like the outcome, their kids' outcomes, but she raised her children in a way that they do not know how to be emotionally there for their children. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would be willing to bet that if she wasn't the one directly playing these games in the media with her kids, because it was a different media landscape, as the media landscape evolved, the people around her were playing these games with her kids, right? 
like with Charles versus Buckingham Palace versus Kensington Palace. Like these are things that she and her office engaged in as well. And so it's not a surprise that Charles is engaging in them. And it's certainly not a surprise that William is engaging in them. And frankly, Harry is the odd one out in that. And and that's, I think, his, his overall point that I think I haven't, we haven't really touched on. Like this is a book about Harry's life and it's a book about his life with regards to vis-a-vis his family and vis-a-vis the media. Um, mm-hmm. And the media is the villain of the of this book. The media is the villain of of the docu series. The, the when he talks about the media, it's one of the few. It's it's the, almost the only times we still see that like anger. He has not and will not. I don't think has any plans to forgive and forget things that have happened with the media. Right? He has mm-hmm. no like it, in the in the way that he extends olive branches unnecessarily at sometimes to his family. I believe um, he does not have any space for that with the media. Any of the healing that he's done is is all about like personal growth and not about like forgive and forget the media. Um, and and with good reason, right? Like I think last point I'll make here because I feel like I'm rambling a bit, mm-hmm. but but I like he one of the things that shocked me about the book is the conversations that we are having right now in this political landscape across the globe um, about what is truth. Is there objectivity in media? What are our standards that, that the media require, right? We have a, 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 a court case that is going to potentially redefine the landscape of, uh, of American history right now with, when it, with regards to media, um, with the Dominion uh, voting case, right? He was talking about these very similar issues when he was like 20, right? Like 20 years ago, because this was his life. And so mm-hmm. to, to see those themes show up there, um, because the idea that like there should be truth and honor in how we report about things and people, he very early in his life experienced that that is like not at, in any way, shape or form, um, how the media is at least operates around him and his family. And, and so that like, I think, you know, in addition to all us learning about him and his life and his family and his life as a veteran and his love and whatever, like, I think if he, if he wanted anyone to take, you know, one of the, three things he'd want people to take away in addition to like, you know, get therapy, take care of yourself, you know, have your personal growth journeys. Like the media can be really problematic and we need to reform things. I think that is a big Mm -hmm. theme in the book. Yeah. I mean, it's woven through every experience that he has in the book, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes down to his experiences that were frankly uh, ruined or or ended it's Mm -hmm. because of the media's involvement in them Mm -hmm. he had to leave afghanistan because of the media Mm -hmm. it was putting people in literal life or death situations yeah same with um the australia part like it's it and his and some of his girlfriends right like the way he Mm -hmm. talks about like exiting situations and relationships is very I, i i do think he's had a lot of like he's moved past a lot of things, but like, that's the, that's the, those are the times. And remember, I like listened to his voice where he sounds bitter, (laughs) right? Like he sounds angry about with good reason, I think about those experiences and how they ended up because, because they're really dangerous. They're really harmful to people that he cares about or cared about. Um, they, they killed his mom and they, they tried to get his wife and if they had their way, they'd have his children. Right. And so like, it's not in the past, I guess, for him. And maybe that's why um, that anger and, and kind of like vitriol really comes out when he talks with the media. Yeah. I mean, I think actually there's still, I think one of the cases that Megan has is still 
they're still fighting it too in the the courts in England <laughs> against the papers. Ending. Like it's been going on for I don't know five years now or something like that. It's it's just yeah. I mean, and uh, I just people wonder why they're they're so frustrated and why they wanted to leave. They didn't want to leave for privacy. They wanted to leave for for safety. They wanted to leave to be able to like have the right to do and tell do their live their lives the way they wanted and tell their story when and how they wanted um yeah yeah. and they wanted the right to fight for truth you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) like to fight for and to not like have their families like her his family specifically um like throw them under the bus and and disregard their mental health and their peace and the safety of their children which they're doing again with the the coronation and getting rid of their house like it's just never ending and and you wonder when when are they going to learn and I, as we were as i was like preparing for this not that i really did much to prepare i just recalled the book and and you know <laughs> things like that but i i did i remembered the last time we talked about the royal family and we talked about the commonwealth and we talked about um the last the lasting power of the royal family and mm-hmm. and i do think my my thoughts have shifted you know like I I am less I am less I, I I already wasn't in a place where I was like yeah this is a great idea monarchy's great we should like actually get one like I, I, I've never been like <laughs> pro monarchy right Sign um, me but up. I was happy to like casually watch them and enjoy and and I understood and still understand the the important place that that people hold this family in particular and this monarchy in particular in their lives uh in in across the commonwealth it's it's still it's true still across the commonwealth however i think it's less true i think that the queen dying played a role in that i think that megan and harry have played a role in that um i think that megan and harry are less popular in the uk than ever and the royal family is still benefiting from the death of the queen although like this coronation and cost of living crisis and andrew stuff is not helping them so yeah i think you know compared to the last time we talked very different position and um, both I think for a lot of us as like watchers and and consumers of stuff about the royal family um, because of this book because of the documentary because of like the general you know turn of events that have happened in the last year or two but also um, you know across the commonwealth and and maybe even in the UK and it's for them to decide you know this is this is their tax money yeah, if, if if they wanted me as their advisor, I'd be like, look, roll them out. You don't need them anymore. What are they really doing for you? Um, you know, at this point, they're trying to scale back a monarchy, which is like maybe a good thing to save money. But they're also they have more engagements than ever that they're supposed to do. So like maybe it's not working. Maybe your system isn't working. Maybe it's time to rethink uh a uh, very, very old system of government. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I thought it was even just interesting I, that Harry even broached that topic because he he, that he mentioned because he does he's like you know and and he says he's like you probably don't want to hear a prince like pontificate on whether you should or should not have a monarchy and what the what the you know pro-con analysis of that is but like he but he does broach the topic of like you know you're being very generous to him because i (laughs) i I was actually like yeah actually harry we do like you should actually i mean like I what mean, is it? What is the pro? Tell me the pro. <laughs> I think, but I, I mean, I agree. I see his point. I, know. I see his yeah. point of yeah. being like, he he's as, maybe not as the much right harm. Person. Yeah, as much <laughs> harm as like he has, he has experienced as a royal human being. Like I also acknowledge that like that's not an unbiased conversation yeah. for him. Like that's his family, and 
So he isn't going to be able to have that conversation in an unbiased way. But even just the fact that he could like broach that topic at all in this book, I thought was really interesting um, because I think it does show that like he acknowledges that like these are conversations that do need to happen and it is a realistic conversation that probably needs to happen and that it is probably something that's going to be happening. And so he's not like got his head in the sand about it either. I, One I, of the things that I don't get is that if they, I mean, I, I do think that the royal family obviously wants to keep their position as the royal family. They want to keep benefiting from all of that. Um, and I, I think it's so weird that they basically uh, shut out the two people that could do a lot of good toward extending the goodwill in the commonwealth and in general of the the royal um the royal i can't think of the right words but yeah uh it's it's weird that they would be like oh we finally have a person of color in the royal family that's a big deal and that and she's also she's a great speaker and people love her and people would be really connecting with her and we could they could use that to their advantage whether the optics of that are good or bad but they chose to just be like no we don't want any part of it it's it's really like i mean to back to the point that we were talking about earlier with like why wouldn't they let them leave why wouldn't they think of a new way why like it i i don't understand i'm not sure i'll ever understand um they really for lack of a better term, royally muffed it up um, <laughs> because because it does it doesn't make sense. What you're exactly what you're saying it it does not make sense. Um, and and I do think you you broached on it also another very important topic. We say all the time like Megan could have been this door of access to the for them to like the 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 world. Uh, it's true. Don't get like mm-hmm. I love Megan. I'll defend Megan. Like I spend a lot of time defending Megan for better or for worse. However, mm-hmm. like what we are implying is is something that is actually really kind of like insidious and like nefarious. Like like this this horrible institution is horrible, but like they got a black girl, so like if they can just yeah, that's like what I mean. By paint it, like the yeah. Like you're no, like, you're fully <laughs> right. You hit on you hit on it exactly right. Like like, but they didn't even they didn't even like try to to like you know okay like how can we like milk this for all it's worth? They were just like, nah, we good. <laughs> like, you know, who cares? What? Yeah, because I feel I feel like, I mean, maybe it's better that they did it that way instead of trying to come up with a really bad solution, which is probably what would have happened. Right? They're not known for, like, being really great at things like that. So yeah. maybe it is better that they kind of said, nah, see you later. But... It seems strange to me that they would not try to find ways to work with them. Yeah, and it seems like from the very beginning, you know, from from Harry's recounting of the story, that, like, they were very skeptical about, like, they liked her, um, or at least Charles liked her. Um, Mm -hmm. Will and Kate liked suits, right? But they were like, oh, (laughs) an, an American... Oh, an actress. Like, ugh. Like, I don't know, man. Like, you know, they were very, um, as much as they might have kind of, you know, seen her at, for, for what she could be, 
Um, it did not seem like they were, especially William, ever in of the mindset of like, yeah, this is great. Like maybe just like one time in, in the entirety of like the William, Harry, Meghan saga. Did, did William do something that made Harry, Harry happy? And that's when William was like, congratulations on getting engaged. Like that was like maybe the one time. I, I can't think of any other Literally. time that <laughs> he's like, he's like the only time he did exactly what Harry want, needed and wanted in that in, in with regards to his, his relationship with Megan. And so like, yeah, it seems like it was a, it was doomed from the start and like Harry just didn't, he didn't see it. And maybe none of us would have in that scenario. We just could see it because we already knew how bad it ended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I do think on some level that, they all of the actions that they that the family has done to them over the past few years i do i do on some level think that like they did it because they thought that he would leave her they thought that mm-hmm. he would say this is enough i'm done with it and i'll i'll go back to my family and that's fine i mean I, harry said the same thing and i think it's pretty effed up. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's a good theory. I just, yeah, like, they, like they, they, they thought like, okay, we'll chase her out or like she'll, she'll either sink or sink or, or she'll swim or she'll sink. But Harry mm-hmm. will never, Harry will never, Harry's going to be a constant. He'll never leave. Right. And, and I, I literally cannot imagine thinking that about my sibling, about my child, about like, but again, like we've said several times on, on, in this conversation, like they are not a normal family. Like we, no. we, th- we, we project like normal <laughs> feelings onto them. And I know they do have like part of the story was that they have normal feelings and emotions and they feel things like we did get some of that. But like the other part of this is like their structure as a family is so weird. Like back to what I was saying about like, I can't even think of something analogous other than other Royal families, like, and other Royal families in many, in many countries don't even have like the same level of like responsibility and like ingrainedness in society, as far as I know, like, or, and certainly not ingrainedness in the world. Ingrainedness is not a right. word. I, I know that people, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, you know, so like, I don't think we can, there's nothing to compare it to. And so like, no, like super abnormal. Can't even imagine. I could never imagine thinking that, but I also can't imagine having whatever mindset it is that they have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, truly. Hmm. Okay. Y'all, this was a, this was a convo. Yeah. Um, do we have anything else that we want to add before we kind of wrap it up? I would love- I'm just curious because, uh, Ade, you listened to the book instead of, um, did the paper version. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering how that affected your experience. I, I really liked hearing the book in his own voice. I am trying to think if I've ever, I, I don't read a lot of memoirs. It's not my, not my jam. I mean, we certainly never turned down a British accent. Let's, let's <laughs> be extremely clear about that. I'll say that I, I, so I listen to a lot of things with British accents. I listen, I, you know, I've listened to all the British books. I, I listen to like, you know, Pride and Prejudice and like all the Austin stuff. Like I listen to a lot of audiobooks and I listen to a lot of audiobooks with British accents. I will say that like, again, I don't listen to memoirs very often, so I can't speak to like the, uh, how common this is. I will just say that Harry, 
is not a trained vocal vocalist in any way, shape or form. And I, I had a hard time sometimes following, like I'd have to, I'd listen to this book on a slower speed than I normally listen to books. Um, I normally listen at like a 1.5 to 2x speed, sometimes faster. And I had to listen to this max 1.5 is like the max that I ever listened to this because he just doesn't have the clear diction um, that I'm used to in audiobooks. So that's that's one thing that I'll note. The other thing that I'll note is that like he giggles, he 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 sounds sad, he sounds angry. Like you get a lot of emotion in in his reading of his audiobook. Um, and and I've heard that you know I, I know I have a friend who um, very heavily recommends the Viola Davis um, memoir that came out last year and she just won an, um, a Grammy for. Um, said that it was a fantastic audiobook presentation of her own memoir. So maybe this is really common in the memoir space, just like getting that feeling of, of people's lives in their own words. I was really moved um, when you could hear him get choked up about certain things about his mom or get like a little giggly when he talked about like, you know, the Batman story and he mm -hmm. does the voice. At one point he actually sings, I don't remember, oh, um, I don't remember exactly which song it sings. It wasn't the, it wasn't the Elton John song. But he sings a song at one point in the book, and there's another song he he very clearly chose not to sing. So it was just interesting to hear, like his, the choices that they made in recording, and then also his emotion, um, mm -hmm. in in throughout the story um, or his story. Um, I really I really enjoyed it. Like, I, I, if if I read it again, I would probably read like the the physical book with the audiobooks. So I could go a little bit faster, um, and and I could kind of get the ins and outs because I think there's also probably some fun stuff that you get from seeing how they put stuff on on the actual paper like the, the choices they made there um so yeah I I, I enjoyed it I, I would I would highly recommend it um for the emotion in particular yeah all right well with that this has been a marathon episode um thank you Ade for especially because it is an hour later for you so thank you doubly for having this conversation with us not that like we think that it was difficult for you in any way shape or form but you know we always have to thank you for <laughs> being here it. and being our pal um with that uh let's talk about what's bringing us joy tonight today this week you know times um <laughs> <laughs> It is past Steffi's bedtime. Uh, guys, honestly, I am so sorry for my life, my brain. Um, yeah, uh, Ade, you go. I, um, it's hard to pick. I've had a lot of ups and I've had a lot of downs um, in the last week or, or two. Um, but I'm going to pick Abbott Elementary. I'm, I'm just kind of about to complete um, my first watch through. Um, so I'm just about to finish up season two. And I... I I'm late to the party, but I love it. It's it's such a delightful show with um, delightful writing, and it's really funny and a great cast. And it's really it's the only TV that I watch other than Bridgerton on constant repeat. So uh, it's nice to have I've some heard new so TV many friends. good things about it, and I have not watched it yet. But I just I it's continually hear it's incredible. About it. It's really 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 incredible. I haven't felt this way about characters and a show um, since I watched Schitt's Creek. Very different experience, but just like. You just love them, and it's short, and and you want to watch more, but you know you should go to bed. Yeah. I've watched some of the episodes, but every time I start watching it, it's, like, right before bed. I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. but now I can 
I can only watch one. I've I've watched several episodes where I'm like I try to get to try to watch a second and then like I fall asleep on the couch in the middle. Of the yeah, second, and I have to restart it because I can never figure out where I stopped. That's me with audiobooks. I can't re- listen to audiobooks because I fall asleep every time. Oh man. Okay. Fair. Fair. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with like whatever the book is, if the book's good or not. It's just something about people talking in my ear. It just makes me fall asleep. Yeah. Uh, Megan, what's, uh, what's bringing you joy? Um, I hired an assistant last week and it's going good so far. Awesome. It's very exciting. Um, they are just, they're taking over some of the tasks that I really hate to do that are really tedious and boring. Uh, but she's really enthusiastic about all of it so far and I'm excited because, um, she's like willing to learn everything and she likes to do research and uh, I, I, I think it's gonna do a lot for me in the long term so it's good it's going good for that I'm very excited for you on that that's awesome yeah it frees up your time I, to do stuff that you enjoy doing and that fills your cup yes and also like stuff that I'm you know, good at doing, like I'm, I told her like what I, when we did the interview, I said, you know what? I am bad at marketing. Like I just don't, I don't like doing it. I don't like talking about myself. I just don't like the whole thing in general. So that's why I need you. And she was like, I got you. So, (laughs) um, yeah, so it's going good. We'll see, you know, in a few months, but I, I'm really optimistic and, um, think there'll be good things to come. Steffi, what about you? Oh, I don't know. Um, I... <laughs> you went last and you still don't know. <laughs> I still don't know. It's fine. Um, okay, I'm going to go really frivolous here. I <laughs> ordered some stuff from Old Navy a few days ago that should be here, I don't know, next week. Um, and I ordered <laughs> myself some new like shorts and a skirt and... I'm going to live in them this summer and I hope that they fit and that's going to make me happy because also a couple of them are like linen blend, like very like comfy looking shorts and I'm just, I'm here for comfy these days, guys. So there we are. I love that. I am addicted to old baby shopping. I don't always (laughs) buy it. I don't always buy my cart, but I love shopping at old Navy. My friend Bethany had bought her and her baby a match some matching outfits and then she was like i'm just saying there's some cute stuff and then i was like wait a second there's some really good sales here there are these these linen blend shorts look extremely comfortable i have two pairs i have two they look i really hope that they look cute on me we'll see with my chicken legs um and then also they apparently like jean mini skirts are back in and i was like i'll fucking live in that shit all summer long i have no shame whatsoever so (laughs) i bought myself one of those as well so again we'll see we'll see if they fit we'll see if they look cute but uh yeah um that's that's what's making me happy. <laughs> I'm clearly not in the target market for that because every time I look at Old Navy, I'm like, your clothes are horrible. So, <laughs> Megan, I hate everything they have. There are some um, secret gems there, Megan. It's a oh, yeah, I don't have time to. I don't gems. have time to hunt through that. They I'm they all get added that. to my freaking Instagram like 
timeline. So now I just see them all the time and I probably go <laughs> once a day to Old Navy's website at this point. It's fine. I also like dress well, my child in a lot of Old Navy stuff because their kid stuff is <coughs> freaking Their kid stuff is pretty good. But now adorable. most of my kids, my kids don't really, uh, like, Reese is most kind of, of in that weird size where he's like not big enough for adult at Old Navy or he doesn't really like what they have and then Max is like at a weird size. I don't know. So we don't shop as there there as much as we used to but they also still email me 4500 times a day <laughs> they so they just need to be so clearly emailing you guys they are the reason me. i oh don't worry they're email. also emailing me <laughs> <laughs> i could I just... have given you guys my super cash Del- oh okay well now i am over. disappointed i didn't ask <laughs> <laughs> i mean it expired at the end of february but it's fine. I we mean, never spend it. Again, Next like, time, I'm not, I'll, I'll give I'm not it to interested you guys. in like pants with big flowery nonsense on them. But like, there is definitely some like hidden gems, and I just I think I just happened to zero in on the hidden gems and be like, "Yep, that's cute. All right, in my cart." And I was like, "I'm not looking at anything else." So I was like, "Bottoms are where I'm struggling. I struggle with bottoms." So you know, it's fine. <laughs> that's what she said. I know. <laughs> I know. <that's- laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. Well, next week we'll be back. We don't know what we're talking about yet, but we'll have something for you. But we'll be here. We'll have words to say. Until then, uh, (laughs) until then, you can uh, listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review us on Apple. uh, Apple Podcasts. Yep, I'm good at this. Uh, and you can find us on social media at IRSA Podcast or email us at I'd Rather Stay in Podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Bye.